On today's episode of the podcast, I, as usual, get very real and intimate with you. I share a fairly vulnerable struggle that I'm sitting with right now, and it's one that I know I'm not alone in. How do we navigate the suffering and injustice of this world while also remaining grounded, while also staying grateful for the beautiful things that we have in our lives? How do we move forward every single day knowing that there is so much pain almost everywhere we look? I talk a lot about my love for nature on this show, my love specifically for the forest and about the injustice and destruction of the forest that's happening here right where I live and how that resonates so much for me with really the state of the world right now. So how can we be really solid, good human beings and be of service without feeling completely hopeless and falling into despair? It's a question I haven't been able to answer completely, but I do my best here on this show. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hello, hello, my darling friends. How are you? Welcome back to the show. I am sitting here right now laughing at myself because I'm having one of those mornings where I just can't, it's like my brain is not screwed on right. Like I, I have literally recorded the intro to this podcast seven times now. (laughs) And I just, I can't get the words to come out right. I'm like stumbling over my words. I don't know what I'm talking about. I keep like hitting stop on the recorder and then like, okay, I'm starting over. I took a little break and I asked Dennis to make me a matcha latte. I'm like, I need, maybe I need, I need some focus. (laughs) I'm in a matcha stage right now. I, I cycle through cappuccinos and then matcha lattes in the morning and I'm definitely in a matcha phase now, which is just wonderful. I feel so good drinking my my matcha every day and it gives me normally gives me like a sense of focus you know not that like wired awakeness that you get from an espresso but just like this heightened focus and kind of some energy you know <laughs> I I don't know what, if it's working but hey I have words coming out of my mouth now and I, I hope you can understand <laughs> me so maybe it's working honestly honestly what I think I need <laughs> and I'm hoping maybe you need to, it's just a little moment to ground. Yeah, just a little moment. You know, we used to do this at the beginning of every single episode, every week, every Friday, every show began with a 5, 10, 15 minute meditation practice. And um, I think the reason I always used to do that is because I really needed it. You know, that little place to ground before getting into the real stuff, you know, 
And I had a lot less space in my day then, you know, so it became this very beautiful ritual to have to just kind of rush into the, okay, I have a window for the podcast. And I was like, oh, let's go. And then a moment to ground. But then now I have a lot of grounding moments in my day. I have a lot of space in my day. So I rarely sense that need when I sit down to talk to you. But I do now. So I'm going to lean into that. And leaning into that, as I do that, I'm physically leaning a little bit further back into my chair. I'm sitting in a really comfy chair. I have some pillows around me and I'm just kind of letting the weight of my upper back, the weight of my seat, just sink a little bit deeper into the chair. And see if you can make some space for your body to soften too. It could be something very little, you know, maybe you just turn the palms of the hands facing up in your lap and relax your elbows and your hands. You can soften your face, see if there's any tension around the neck or any just slight repositioning that your head or neck is looking for to feel a little bit more spacious. And then when you arrive at a place that feels closer to you, you can close your eyes. Let's take some deep, slow breaths right here. And see if you can let the breath grow on its own. Instead of trying to make the breath into something that it's not right now, can you get out of the way a little bit? Is there any limiting thoughts or storylines moving in your mind right now that maybe is keeping your breath a little bit restricted? Is there tension in the body that's making it harder to take those deep breaths? See if you can just by softening, by continuing to make space inside, allow the breath to grow more expansive on its own. Remembering that your body's natural state of breath is deep and full and long and spacious. Your whole entire being craves these deep, slow breaths every moment of the day. So just letting yourself arrive there, letting things unfold into that more natural place of depth. And with every inhale you take, with every exhale, you are allowing yourself to arrive at a place that feels closer to truth. When we get really present in our own bodies, when we get present with the breath, it's much harder to pretend, right? Any walls that we're holding up around ourselves right now, any ideas we have about keeping it together or acting in a certain way. It's very hard to be completely present with your body in your own being and not be truthful to what's happening inside of yourself. So just let yourself unravel a little bit. Unravel as a good thing. Unravel as letting parts of you that aren't true just fall away for a little while. Maybe you're walking through your life right now, keeping a really brave face. Maybe you're moving through your day, holding up your heart like armor. You know, maybe you feel the need to be really strong and really rigid right now to make it through something hard in your life. Maybe you feel like you have to be okay all the time, even when there are times when you're not. 
Maybe there's a story you're telling yourself right now that simply isn't in alignment with what's actually happening within. So let any untruths, let those layers, let those walls, let them unravel a little bit. Let whatever isn't true to your highest, most authentic self, let all of that fall away. And as you get closer and closer to your own heart, closer and closer to yourself, your real self. How are you doing today? How are you doing right now? And if you like, you can place a hand to your heart center, just a hand directly on top of the chest, and ask yourself that question until you get to the truth. How are you right now? How are you really? And as you feel the answer to this very simple but highly complex question, as you feel it begin to rise through your system all the way up to the surface, whatever is there, I want you to take the next few minutes, or as long as you can really, to just allow yourself to be this way. So that means if you're putting on a brave face right now, but actually deep down you're feeling terrified, you're scared, you're worried, you're anxious, then let yourself be worried. For a little while, allow that fear to be where it is, as it is. If you're telling yourself everything's okay, you're totally fine, 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 but actually you're not fine. Maybe you're sad. Oh, maybe you're grieving something. Let that sadness come up. And if the truth of how you're feeling right now is you're feeling so blissful, right? Joyful, maybe happiness is here. Then let that feeling take up the space it deserves. Let Every feeling, take up the space it deserves. Hold yourself in the truth of this moment. You are perfect just the way you are. Everything you're feeling right now, this big feeling, this big truth inside of you right now, makes absolute sense. I mean, how could you possibly feel any other way than this? Of course, of course you feel this way right now. Of course. So much has unfolded in your life, in your day, inside of yourself. Of course you feel this way. So take a moment just to validate your own feeling. Give yourself permission to feel what's here. And keeping your hand there to your heart. For as long as it feels bearable. For as long as it feels okay, manageable. Stay with the feeling. Yeah, without having to fix it. Without having to shrink it. Without having to escape in any way. Let's take one more deep, long breath, all of us listening to these words here now. Inhale. And open the mouth. Exhale. Now you can stay here with your eyes closed, hand to your heart. If you want to Blink the eyes open and orient yourself a little bit in your space. Take a few moments to come back.
Hi. <laughs> Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Oh, wow. What a week. <laughs> what a day it is and what a week it's been. In this moment when I, you know, as I'm sitting here holding my hand to my heart, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little bit confused right now, which is probably why I had a hard time getting my words to come out <laughs> at the beginning of the, of the show. But yeah, I'm, I'm sensing this kind of contrasting duality side of myself. Hmm. I'm feeling at the same time, I'm feeling really grateful and blissful in my life right now. And I'm also sensing this big pull inside of myself of worry. I'm in a, yeah, yeah, somehow feeling both content and very worried at the same time today and maybe all week yeah probably all week and I really don't yeah I, I have this big sense right now that just the state of the world I feel so so concerned right now and I go through these cycles just like you do where I feel like there's you know everything's gonna be okay and there's so much goodness in this world and there are so many people fighting the good fight and, you know, things are going to end up good and okay and we are all going to be safe and okay. And then I go through cycles of, well, like the whole fucking world is falling apart. Like the amount of suffering in this world is, is next level absolutely unbearable to even think about. And I, I think it's a, it's a very hard place that we are in right now as human beings. It's really, really, really hard to human when the world is what the world is. At least that's what I feel. And I think we are going to have to kind of, you know, do the ostrich thing where we stick our heads in the sand and for a moment we're like, well, what I can't see doesn't really happen, right? And I think that's a coping mechanism where we, we after a while, we just, we have to, we have to turn off the news, right? We have to shift our awareness and attention to where we are right now, what's in front of me in this moment, and then resource ourselves and take care of ourselves and find a sense of grounding and then bring our heads back out into the world and go, oh, oh, right, it's this shit show, right? It's this level of suffering. That's, that's the world we're in. And be with that, 
you know, and kind of let our awareness be like that kind of pendulum that swings into reality and then the reality of the big collective, right? The reality of humanity right now, the reality of the state of this planet right now, and then kind of let that pendulum swing back into our own little bubble where hopefully in this moment, you know, we and our loved ones are are okay, hopefully, you know, which isn't the case for a lot of people over this world. A lot of people don't have the the privilege to put their heads in the sand because the suffering is there in their bubble, right? It's like not being able to step out of that, not being able to get reprieve or relief. So many people are living that. And yeah, I, I'm really, and I talked about this, uh, I don't know if it was last po- week's podcast or a couple of weeks ago, but just this inner struggle that I feel this, yeah, and I, I'm sure you do too. I, I know I'm not alone. Talking to my friends, I know I'm not alone. The struggle between allowing happiness and gratitude when things in our bubble are good, right? And not have to minimize that or shrink that because there's so much suffering in the world. Like who am I to have a good life when there's so much terror everywhere, you know? Somehow it's our responsibility to stand in the good life and to use the privilege and the safety and the grounding that we get from that good life to help other people and to do something good for this world. But it's, it's, I don't know, I'm getting to a place now where I, hmm, like an example of that is I, I walk in the woods every day. Okay, so I walk in the woods every day. Right across our road here where we live, there is a nature preserve. So it will never be, never be uh, touched by anyone. It's not super big, but, it, but it's a nature preserve. So it means that you're not allowed to, yeah, you can't bring your dogs in there, for example. You can't. You can't break off a twig, you know, from a tree. Like there's a lot of rules around, you know, you really, it's really a preserved place. And, um, and sometimes I just wander in there, right? And because it's a preservation, there aren't a lot of paths, you know, and you're not allowed to bring your dogs there. So I don't always walk there. I often walk into this other little sliver of a forest that's on the other side of where we live. Um, where there's a path and you can bring your dogs and it just has more of like a walking kind of loop. And in this side of the forest, it's a little bit dangerous to walk because so many trees are falling. It's kind of like the, the forest is collapsing in on itself a little bit. And really every day I walk, like if I walk the dogs there, maybe I'm there every other day and that specific little that little trail, every time I'm there, there is a new spruce tree that has fallen and collapsed over the path and I have to kind of walk all the way around. And the reason that is, is because a couple of years ago, there was this absolutely bizarrely hot summer here in Sweden, like a completely out of the norm, like not normal summer. And Dennis and I, we were actually in Sweden that year. We were in Sweden I think for my birthday. So yeah, October. And it was so warm in October that we were like sitting at cafes in Stockholm in our t-shirts in the sun, tanning. Like It was so hot. And now it's October in Sweden. It's a more normal year. It's freezing outside. Like Leia's already wearing hats and gloves to go to preschool, you know. But that really hot summer, it caused this big disbalance in the ecosystems of the spruce forests of this region of Sweden, of a lot of the regions of Sweden, where there's this little beetle called the, it's called a bark beetle, and they live in spruce trees only. Normally when it gets colder, these beetles, they die off and then they don't come back until the next year. But because the season was so long and because the summer was so incredibly hot and dry and it stayed so hot and dry for so long, these beetles didn't die off. And they ended up reproducing just in massive amounts and have been killing off these spruce trees. Basically, they just kind of drill themselves into the bark of the tree and deplete and 
yeah, take all the nutrients from the tree. And I think the tree has a hard time pulling up moisture also from the ground. Um, when this happens, there's a lot of things that happen. But anyway, so that was that year. And then a couple of years later, after a thing like that, like an invasion of that kind of disturbance in the ecosystem happens, it takes a few years for the trees to die, right? Or to, for them to really fall. And that's happening now, right? So we are seeing these crazy spikes in the weather, right? Like hottest temperatures of all time being recorded all over the world. Um, we're seeing these massive, massive increases of natural disasters and storms and hurricanes and droughts and fires. I mean, it's and floods and everything that comes with this with this changing climate and with climate change and with global warming. And it's like, for me, this duality comes through, I can walk in the woods here right by my house. And if I stay in these woods right here, right, just, just where I am, this little piece of the woods where I just happen to be super privileged and blessed to live, it looks like everything is fine, right? Like these woods, this little preserved piece of the forest next to my house, it's so beautiful. It's really abundant. There's moss covering absolutely everything. You know, there's mushrooms everywhere. There's a lot of, um, in Sweden, you measure the age. I'm sure you do everywhere, but here you measure the age and the kind of forest by how many fallen trees there are that have been allowed to stay for an extended period of time together with how wide, like the girth of the biggest trees are. And that's how they measure and classify the woods is it a and it's funny how they do it here in Sweden like it's the majority of all the woods that that are left in the country literally 85 to 90 percent of the woods that are left in the country are something called kulturskog which means a culture forest and it sounds really nice right like a culture forest like a cultured forest that sounds so that sounds so special a cultured forest is actually a forest used for um, for the forestry sector, where they take sections and they cut the whole entire forest down, and then they replant this monoculture of one kind of tree, and then they let them grow, you know, to like 40 or 50 years, and then they do it again, you know, and they do it in sections. So it's not like they take the whole entire forest of the whole country at the same time, because then we would have nothing left, but they do it in sections and cycles. And that means that, you know, and they leave these sections for 40, 50, 60 years until they're big enough to become timber and to be cut down. And people actually think that this is a forest. Like people all over think that a culture school, like a culture forest is a forest. And walking into a forest like that, which we have many here also nearby, it's like all the trees are in perfect rows, right? There is not a lot of other kinds of vegetation, not a lot of other plants, not a lot of other things. It's just, it looks like, like people think it's really beautiful, you know, like these like strong trees kind of lined up. It looks almost, I don't know, it looks very organized, <laughs> right? And people like that. So because it's all trees and trees is what makes up a forest, right? People actually believe that these forests that are being processed and cultured for profit, that they are real forests, but they're not. Like it's basically like a monocropped, like they're just growing timber and cutting it down. So there's no real wildlife in these forests. There's no diversity, you know, happening in these forests. There's no real life happening there anymore. And 10 to 15% of the forests left in Sweden are what they call naturskog, which is a nature forest, which is actually a real forest, right? Or kind of as, as close to real as, as we can find almost here in this country. So that means that the forest has been untouched for at least 25 years or longer. Um, and most of the nature forests that we have have been untouched for longer than that, maybe even a few generations. So that at some point they have been messed with, like the forest has been kind of touched by man, right? But then they have been, the forest has been just left alone. Um, and that's the woods that I have 
where I'm walking the dogs. That's in the Naturskog. So you see this like huge abundance of, of so much. Like really, there's all kinds of wildlife and birds and critters and animals and, you know, berries and mushrooms and the moss really covers everything. It's really beautiful. And then you have these trees falling everywhere. And in a way, it's like because that forest isn't actually touched by by man, right? They're not cutting the trees down to process the woods and then replanting them. They're not touching that little piece where I walk, right? But it's still kind of falling in on itself because of what what we have done, right? Because of what society has done, because of the last hundred years of basically shitting all over this planet and not not having a single long-term thought, right? So the third kind of forest that we have here is called Urskog, which is indigenous forest, like original forest, a forest that was actually always protected, that was never cut down. And 0.5% of the woods in Sweden is Urskog. 0.5%. So, and this is, to me, like knowing these facts, it's like, a, it, it's, it blows my mind to the point that I, I continuously have to wrap my head around this as a fact, right? So we have half a percent and, and we are so proud of our forest here in Sweden, like Swedish people, really, it's like the pride and joy of Swedes is how amazing our forest is. And the forest covers almost the entire country and but it's bullshit, right? Because what covers the entire country isn't actually forest, isn't actually a diverse, real forest. But we have half a percent of urskog, like a real, real forest, left half a percent of the whole country. And then 10 to 15 percent, this kind of forest that's been untouched for decades, nature forest. And then 85 to 90 percent is processed woods owned by corporations or owned by the government being processed and used for profit. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. And I'm sharing this now because this for me is such a, it's a really good example of this this duality that I feel, this ability to like be in my bubble and then stepping out of the bubble, right? So I go into, I go across the road, I step into this like very protected forest and I feel like, wow, you know, the feeling of just being there. Like I often just lay down flat, like I found like a big bed of moss and I just lay down and I just, you know, Anyone who knows who knows that feeling, you know what I'm talking about. Like Leia does that so naturally. Whenever we, we walk in the woods, she'll just lie down and just melt and look at the trees sway above. And like that viewpoint, you know, lying in the forest, looking up, it's so different. It's so special. And there is an energy and a quality to, to these woods that it, it, there's something holy about it. Absolutely. And it's not the same as, you know, walking the dogs. I go to the other part of the woods where I walk the dogs and there's trails and roads and there's lots of people walking. It's still woods. It's still really beautiful. But you can already see the impact of 
of environmental destruction happening there, even though these are woods that are, you know, not being cut down at the moment. And then, and this is like hard for me to talk about without crying, I walk a little further and all the trees are cut down. I don't, it's like I have all of these, (laughs) I have all of these dualities really right outside my doorstep like I can choose where to go I can go to a a call which is like complete deforestation like an area that has been deforested where every single tree is cut down and maybe two three years ago they planted you know they replanted the replanted the trees as if you can really ever, you know, a, a tree, like a, a, a tree tree, you leave a tree alone, that tree will live and stand there for hundreds of years. Like there's a tree next to my dad's house, there's an oak tree next to my dad's house that's 900 years old. A 900 year old oak tree that's still alive. And what each tree does for this planet, like for our ecosystem for for humans like you know i wouldn't be able to breathe this breath that i'm breathing right now if it wasn't for the trees and i get i get so emotional talking about this i have really like i've reached a point i told dennis the other day i can't debate like responsible forestry anymore i can't have conversations about the forest anymore because I just fall apart I literally just fall apart and I feel silly falling apart while not here on the pod with you because I know most of you feel the same way but when I'm talking to any regular person who is involved with any kind of forestry practice here There is this idea that to take care of the forest, you have to cut it down. (laughs) And it's such a ridiculous fucking notion. Like just the, yeah, I get really pissed that they have actually been, they're kidding themselves enough that they actually believe their own lies. You know, to take care of the forest, you have to cut it down. Like if you're a landowner, if you own forest there's this these practices and they and you know because most of the woods in Sweden are actually owned by the government and they are the ones doing this they have millions and millions of dollars that they spend every single year on just marketing to tell the swedish people that this is what a healthy forest is to continue supporting these practices because without these practices the ecosystem would be out of balance that they are you know pushing these fake fake bullshit facts that deforestation actually helps the earth and look at how many trees we're planting and they're showing these really put together like marketing videos of you know these companies planting trees and it looks very earthy and very like like you know a real human being holding a little spruce plant and putting that into the earth and look how many thousands and thousands of trees we're planting. And it's like, like, like this is a good thing, you know, cutting down all the forests we have in this whole entire country and all across the fucking world. Like that is a good thing. And I have honestly reached a point where I, when I talk to people like that who are living with that belief, I get so triggered I can't, I can't do it. And I get really emotional and it's like, yeah, I feel like I can't even have that conversation anymore because it's truly so fucking painful. So anyway, what I do is I, I look away and this is, it's like I have, like I drive to get Leia at school. There's a whole section that's just been completely cut down, like very recently. And you can still see the trees are lying there waiting to be, waiting to be transported. I literally have to look away because I can't deal. And it's not just this little section of where I live, right? It's the whole entire country and it's the whole entire world. It's like, what is it? Football fields of the Amazon 
<laughs> like the deforestation happening there every fucking second. It's so, it's so big. It's too big for my little human brain to, to, to grasp the destruction that we are imposing on this planet. Like it's too much. It's too big. And if you really hold it, if you really sit with all of it, and I'm talking, you know, nature now, and at the same time, we have people and dictatorships and violence and war and famine and people fleeing their countries and looking for some kind of safety and not not receiving that, not having any place to go. And it's just, I don't know. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Where I'm sitting here today... It's too much. It's too much for my for my mind to take in and it's too much for my heart to hold. So then when I look away, it's like, what do I do? Well, okay, I go into the woods and I go into the part of the woods where everything is beautiful, right? Where, where I can hug a tree and know that that tree is really old. You know, that this tree was here long, long before, before my parents were born. Like I come to this ancient part or the oldest part of the woods where I can find and I get that moment of reprieve there and I breathe there. And then I take the dogs for a walk and I walk around those fallen trees and I focus on what really is working, right? And I focus on the life that's here and how quickly nature will regenerate because she does all the time. And I go to the lake and I take a cold plunge and I go go to my garden and I put my hands to the earth and I stay really, like there is a way for me to stay in a bubble here where I live that makes it look like everything is okay. And it's not. It's fucking not. Like my bubble is okay because I happen to live this very privileged life. But as a whole, like... This planet is not okay. As a whole, people are not okay. And I'm just deeply struggling, deeply struggling with that right now. And the question I'm really sitting with is, you know, for how long? Like, for how long are we kidding ourselves that we can carry on like this? Like really, what when when my daughter is a teenager, what kind of a world are we going to be living in? That's not very far away. You know, when she's my age, what is this world going to be like? You know, is she going to have kids of her own? Is she going to be able to have kids of her own? What's the level of disaster and suffering going to be 30 years from now? <laughs> And it's such a, even though like these are very realistic questions to ask and it's important that we sit with the reality of what, what, what this world is. Like we have to sit with the reality of what this world is because otherwise nothing changes. We have to be with our own impact. And at the same time, it's like, I don't know, it's so ridiculous 
<laughs> even like the the environmental movement to like okay well um if if i just reduce my waste right if i like i stop asking for a straw when i go to the restaurant i i reduce my waste and i'm going to make a difference like that we're we're so past that like we should all continue doing those things but the real the real issue are these multi multi billion dollar corporations that continue doing what they're doing without any kind of consequence. And like, how is that going to change? You know, how is the world's structure going to change? How is, who's ever going to control the richest of the rich that really run this world? Like that's, I, I don't see it. And then we're all kind of led to believe that it's like, it's my fault, my individual fault. I can make that individual difference. And we all know, like we're so past that because even if all of us all of a sudden became the most environmentally responsible people we still have the same kind of emissions and the same kind of disaster happening from these massive corporations that actually run the whole fucking world and we're not impacting that by not asking for a straw at the restaurant or by recycling better you know and it just when you look at it from that very realistic perspective, it feels so hopeless, right? It's like the reality, but it's also so hopeless. What are we actually going to do? So then what I do do, I feel like Joey and friends. <laughs> what episode is that? What I, No, it's Chandler when he's like, <laughs> sorry, I'm doing a friends pivot here. He's at a job interview talking about duties <laughs> and the guy says okay instead of talking about what you don't do let's talk about what you do do <laughs> okay okay I needed that little I needed that little break um <clears throat> so what I do do like what I actually do and this really is like these realizations that this is where the world is. It's getting worse. It's really getting harder. It's getting worse. And of course, it's getting worse for the people who already have it bad. I'm still sitting here in my very privileged place. If you're listening to this podcast and you have an hour in your day to listen to a podcast, if you have a car, if you have a job, if you have a sense of safety, like you're pri privileged too, right? We are. <laughs> it's 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 these realities and especially with the urgency of everything that came to surface through the pandemic that led me to even live in the woods, right? I wouldn't even be living here if it wasn't for that. It was the big realization that living in Aruba, I can't take care of myself. I can't take care of my, of my family. I can't deal with the mountain of trash that we're producing here because there's no form of recycling. Like we were living our least sustainable lives, unfortunately, living there even no matter how many vegetables I grew like I couldn't find a balance that felt long term and it was that realization that eventually through a lot of hardship of course led us here and now now I live in the woods so when I feel the hopelessness of all of the real very real realities happening all around I focus on making my bubble as big and as sustainable as I can possibly make it. And that's really where all of my all of my focus is because I can't really control a whole lot other than what's happening in my bubble. And I don't want to live in a bubble. It's not what I'm saying. But in my proximity of my immediate life, the things I can touch, the things I can impact, the things I can affect. And that includes living a life where I am in the woods every day where I feel so connected and so in love with this beautiful planet that I cry talking about all the ways in which she's hurting. Like that alone, I know makes a difference. Like that heartfelt connection makes a difference because I vote from that place when it's election time, right? I spend my money from that place when I spend money. I organize and structure my life from that place. So if we don't have that sense of connection, that presence with nature, we're not going to be able to fight for her. And same goes for humanity, for 
people, for human beings. Like we can't, we can't stay in our little isolated bubbles, thinking of me, myself, and I, and when everything goes to shit, how am I going to take care of myself? You know, and I've had those thoughts, like if things really go to shit, and what if we, we become self-sustaining, right? And at least I can always grow food for my own family. And it's like, okay, well, what about the rest of the, like the rest of the community then? How much food, how much food am I going to be, be growing? Am I going to be sitting here with a mountain of produce? And then there's people all around us that all of a sudden don't have the abundance anymore that, that can't feed their kids. What are we going to do? Sit there, there in a little ivory tower eating? <laughs> like, no, like this, that, that doesn't work either. Right? So yes, we can focus on the actual action around how can we make sure that we are ensuring a long-term sense of safety for our own families and for ourselves, starting to build our lives in a direction that feels sustainable, which for me was the pivot away from the cities, a pivot away from the idea of like career, you know, a pivot away from yeah, even away from technology, like away from things that don't feel aligned in my heart anymore and closer toward, yeah, nature and family and growing my own foods and really tending to the land and returning more and more to the way I guess my grandparents lived and their parents, a way that sure is smaller, right? It's 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 not as grand on paper, but it has a really big impact, right? Instead of going to work somewhere to make a career and kill myself and burn out so I can then make money and then use that to go to the grocery store and buy food and cook food to put on my family's plates. It's like, I'll just grow that food and put it on their plates. Somehow I'm taking a lot of steps away in the in-between and becoming more in touch and more connected with with every part of my daily life, right? More connected with my daughter, with the land, with nature, with my family, like more present there. But again, it doesn't end there. We can't just we can't just become preppers and think how am I going to how am I going to survive? How am I going to live in 10 years when things are even worse? When everything falls apart, how am I going to be okay? It's like we have to somehow allow ourselves to dwell in our bubbles so that we, yeah, like if I didn't go to the woods, if I spent all my time in that deforested area, like I would pull my hair out in despair, right? So I am in the old forest. I am in the old growth forest and I'm spending that time there so I can expand the bubble of what I can hold and hopefully invite more people into that and introduce more people to these ideas. And maybe from you listening to this podcast, you're like, fuck, I got to get out into the forest. Or maybe you're Swedish or you're living somewhere where there's a big forest forestry, like a lot of production around there. I'm sorry, I'm jumbling my English again. Well, where they are, where there is a lot of deforestation, right? Where that in Sweden, we call it skogsbruk. It's like the agriculture of the forest. I don't know how to I don't know that word in English, but where they are processing the forest, right? Maybe you live in that area. Like the woods you're walking in, is it old growth woods? Is it a real wood? You know, or is it a, is it a just, is it there for production? And in 40 years, it's gone. And nothing ever has time to regenerate. Like what is actually happening in your area? And what power do we have to make a change? I, uh, I don't know what power I have to make a change. I feel really small. Yeah, I can vote. You know, I can choose where I spend my money. I can choose what I talk about on this podcast. There's lots of people listening to this. I I can do what I can do. You know, I'm struggling now. Like we, my dad owns some land with forests on it. And we are in a huge debate. I mean, it's so sensitive that I... I'm worried it's going to affect our relationship. But he, because when he bought that land, that property, what the people had always done was work the land, cutting the trees down. And he's like, well, that's what you do. 
That's what everyone's always do, done. And I'm like, well, that's what they did. You know, like you bought this land for, for a lot of reasons. A couple of years ago, there's forests here. You don't have to do what they did. You don't have to do the thing that people do. Like you can be the first one in this line of like stewarding this land that doesn't do it the old way. And that does it the really old way instead, you know, that does it in a way that's truly sustainable. And I haven't been able to convince him yet. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to stop trying, right? Like, I think that's what we can do right now is to, to somehow like continue moving from the harsh reality of the suffering that's real and then moving back into the bliss and the beauty and the wholeness and that sense and feeling of the earth beneath your feet and the goodness that is around you because there's so much goodness around you. Oh my God, there is so much goodness around us, like all around, all over this world. There's so much good. And all we have to do to be reminded of that is walk into the woods, right? Or talk to your kids, talk to any kid, you know, be with your loved ones. Like there's so many daily moments that are going to forever remind us of this big, big fundamental goodness that is still here. And we have to stay, I think we have to keep more than one foot anchored in the good. You know, like I can't stand in the deforestation and then like look over at the old growth woods. It's like I have to stand in the old growth woods looking over at the deforestation over there so I can stay really grounded as I do the work I need to do to make a change. And then allowing ourselves the grace to be really heartbroken, like to be really sad, to really grieve. I'm grieving. Like I'm grieving the state of these forests I'm grieving the state of the world, especially, I mean, I really am this week. I'm feeling it every day. I'm grieving this thing in my family where I feel like, I don't know. Like I really have a feeling I was put in Sweden for a reason and maybe I can make a difference here. You know, I have direct people in my family, in my life that I could impact, but at the same time, <laughs> that feels like an impossible thing, you know? the hardest people, the hardest person you can ever try to change someone's mind. I mean, that's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be your family, right? It's not an easy thing to do, but I'm here and I'm trying. So yeah, if you have a, a cause that's really close to your heart, and I know you do, maybe it's not even a cause, maybe it's like, you're, you love the oceans, like the ocean's your thing. You can't wait for your next, the next moment you're going to get to step, put your feet in the ocean. You know, maybe you surf and you swim and you're always going to the beach or like the ocean's like, that's where your heart is. I know for Dennis, like his, he has such a big piece of his heart in the ocean back home, you know, like if that's where your heart is, then maybe that's where your work should be, you know. And now I'm, I'm, this episode became very centered around environment and nature and planet, but there are people who need us every single day on this earth. I mean, maybe specifically now, you know, highlighting what's happening in Iran and this hugely important movement there for liberation you know if you've ever cared about feminism a day in your life if you care about justice if you care about equality like that's where your heart should be right now you know like there's a piece of your heart that's really invested in something beautiful and right now in this world there is some big threat threatening that beautiful thing threatening that equality threatening that freedom threatening that beauty, like whatever, wherever your heart is, there is a cause that you are so ready to go out there and fight the good fight for. And we can't do that every moment of every day, right? Because then we, 
then we become a falling apart, crying mess who can't function, which is how I kind of felt this week. (laughs) But it's okay for you to resource yourself and live your life in your good places. And then stay really anchored and aware and present with the bad places so you can help do something about it. And every little action makes a difference, you know? It does. It does. And alone, we're just one person, but together, there's a lot of us. And I don't think we are as powerless as we sometimes feel. I don't think the the state of the world is as hopeless as I feel like it is today. I know it's also my perspective. And hopefully next week I'm back and anchored in the good again. I want to thank you for listening today. I feel like this was a hard, heavy episode. (laughs) It was for me. So thank you for your presence and for listening and for the actions you take in your daily world to make this world a better place. I love you. I cherish you so much. And uh, I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.